Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And today I wanted to talk about uh, something that I read where uh, Andy Serkis uh, is going to be remaking the famous George Orwell novella, Animal Farm, in an animated film. Now, I don't know whether it's going to be animated in the sense of, like, you know, actual, the the 1954 version, or whether it's going to be animated in the sense of, like, you know, Lord of the Rings type stuff. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm excited, and he said it was going to be too political, and my response to that is, how in the devil can you have 1984, I'm sorry, can you have Animal Farm? Goodness gracious, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. How can you have the uh, Animal Farm be more political, too political? The entire book is an allegory, for those of you who haven't read it, and if you haven't, go read it. The entire book is an allegory of the Russian Revolution of 1917-18, the Communist Revolution. And as such, there's literally nothing apolitical about it. Um, it. All of the characters in Animal Farm are directly related to uh, people from the revolution. Uh, Napoleon is Stalin, um, Snowball is Trotsky, Squealer's Molotov, uh, you know, the, the trial of the four, you know, the, was one of the purges, and, you know, Zinyov and, and uh, Rakowski and all these other guys. Anyway, uh, m- my point is that it, <laughs> it's an extremely political novel, or novella, as, as it were, um, and that's one of the things that I think is fascinating is because it's also the first time that a Western author uh, took a uh, fired a shot across the bow of communism. Now Orwell was a socialist. Make no mistakes about it. I mean, self-defined doesn't get any more obvious than that. It's not like he was like people have said I'm a socialist. He says no, 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 I am. And Orwell fought in the Spanish Civil War, which was a fight between. The fascist forces of uh, Generalismo Franco and the the loosely tied together communist and anti-fascist forces, the POUM and and uh, you know the pro-Stalinist guys. Uh, if you want to know about that, there's an excellent book by one of my favorite authors. Um, he's just ridiculously good at taking things, this is my definition of a great historical author. He makes things that you normally would be like, oh my God, the Spanish Civil War. No, he makes it ex- like interesting. And, and you read it and you're like, wow, I can, I can follow this. And, and you want to keep reading. Uh, and he wrote a book, The Battle for Spain, 1936 to 39, um, in which he talked about how, you know, he explained this. That not only was it a battle between, you know, the right and the left, but within the left itself, there were purges and counter purges. Stalin did not want anyone out there who was not pro-Stalin. Um, uh, you know, understandably so, since he was Stalin. Uh, you know, the Nazis were involved. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's a great book. I highly, highly advise it. Anthony Beevor, he also wrote a bunch of books about World War II. 
uh, Stalingrad, and then Berlin, the fall of Berlin in 45. And one of the things, one of the reasons why Orwell is so well-renowned, and rightly so, is because he called out Stalinist BS from the beginning. He was never a fan of Stalin. Now, again, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, World War II began, the European version of World War II, we won't get into Asia, that began earlier. But the European version began in 1939 with Germany's attack on Poland. And then in 1941, Germany invaded the Soviet Union. Massive invasion, the biggest in history, okay? Um, and so for the next few years, Western uh, propaganda basically pumped up Stalin and presented him as this kind of heroic figure who was fighting against the Nazi hordes because... You know, it's that old saying, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, which is complete malarkey, but, you know, that's what we go with. So, for a couple of years, there was this real sense of, like, there's Stalin leading the Soviet forces into battle, you know, and 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 you know, fighting the Nazis, who were seen as the real bad guys. And to be honest, they were. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not by any moment saying that they weren't bad guys. Um... They were pretty much on the line of the Soviets. Uh, you know, the Soviets may have been marginally better, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. They both killed a lot, a lot of people. And, um, you know, the, the Nazis, the one thing I can say is the Nazis, of course, were responsible for the Holocaust, which is one of the greatest atrocities that's ever been committed. Um, you know, the, the, the Soviets, I mean... Uh, the Soviets killed many millions of Ukrainians, uh, starving them to death, and then also butchered a lot of their own people. But in this case, we were just, and by say we, I don't mean me, I wasn't alive, but the, uh, the Western powers were happy to see the Soviets trying to bleed the Germans white on the steps of Russia. Uh, and it worked. It did. But... Stalin was not a good guy, and the West knew that, and Orwell knew that, and that's why in Animal Farm, he basically took the entire Soviet apparatus to, to, to the, the, the shed, um, and he was extremely critical of them, and, you know, Animal Farm is the uh, enunciation of his beliefs. Now, 1984 which I <laughs> misspoke about a couple of times just because whenever I hear Orwell, I just immediately go to 1984. I know some people go to Animal Farm. I go to 1984. I remember Animal Farm, the first time I ever read it, seventh grade, Miss Bitto's class, um, and I was like, what the heck are we doing reading a book about animals? And then, of course, after I was finished, I was like, my God, this is one of the great books I've ever read. And 1984, to date, uh, you know, for anyone who knows me, 1984 is my favorite book of all time. Um, Brave New World comes in very close, and I would love to do a podcast, and I think I will um, if I haven't already. Yeah, after It's been almost four years, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that I have uh, been doing the podcast. So sometimes I forget, like, did I, did I do something about that? And I have to go back into my, my uh, you know, episodes and check and be like, did I do something 1984 versus Brave New World? Um and as I've always said, 
I used to be like 1984 is the future. I, I do believe that Brave New World is much closer to what we're going through than 1984 at this point. Uh, but there are absolutely aspects of 1984 uh, that still hold true and, and resonate. And uh, again, I'll go over all that in another another podcast. Um, if you want to know more, you know, again, contact me. I'm happy to reply to any contacts about this. Uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that excites me. I took my daughter today and uh, took her to Matawan. She's been very into this series of books. I survived. And it's like, I survived the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. I survived. Uh, and one of them is the 1916 shark attacks in New Jersey, where in Matawan Creek, which is about 20 minutes from where I live, um, there was a, most, most people agree now that, that are experts in the, the situation. And I'm, I'm not, so I, I take their word about it. Uh, a bull shark, which is one of the few sharks that can uh, exist in both salt and uh, fresh water, made its way up the Matawan Creek in uh, 1916 and attacked uh, several kids and men who were, you know, swimming in the creek. Now, the creek, by the way, is a a huge creek. I mean, it's not like a creek like, you know, you think like you could jump from one end to the other. No, this is like... You know, a hundred feet across, it's deep, it's murky water. But anyway, the, the shark made its way up there from the Raritan Bay and attacked. And, and it was made famous by novelist uh, Peter Benchley, who wrote uh, Jaws some 50 years later. And of course, the movie Jaws uh, led to a complete terror about sharks and actually led to people killing sharks wherever they could find them, uh, which is really stupid because sharks are such an important part of our ecosystem. Um, sharks also don't attack. Yes, this was one situation. The shark made its way upriver and, and attacked. It made its way up the creek and attacked uh, people. But overwhelmingly, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning um, than by being killed by a shark. Sharks do not do that. Sharks are so important, and they're, they're such wonderful, majestic creatures. I mean, I'm not saying I want to jump into the, the ocean with them, but I'm like, well, listen, that's your domain, okay? <laughs> My domain is on land, because that's where I live, so I kind of run that. Uh, but as when you go into the water, you're going to their domain. And I believe it was Benchley said later that uh, he... he um, although I'm sure he didn't feel terrible about the millions of dollars he made, but he said that he did, on the lines of he did feel terrible about the fact that he was partly responsible for creating this whole thing about sharks, uh, you know, being these man-eaters and stuff, and they're absolutely not. Um, it's, it's kind of like, it's the same thing we have with spiders. Um, you know, I used to be terrified of spiders when I was younger. I, I really was. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying there aren't some spiders you don't want to really mess with, but at the same time, it's like, you know, come on, they're just, they're, they're out there, what's the issue? The issue is because they got eight legs and they look kind of creepy and creepy crawly, and we view that as like, ooh, spiders, you ain't gonna kill them. No, spiders are so important, again, for the ecosystem, and, and they don't, you know, even spiders that are extremely venomous to uh, human beings, um, you know, the Black Widow, which, you know, gets the worst rap in the United States, at least in other countries, it's different. 
But the Black Widow, um, it only envenomates one out of every four bites. It's extremely not cost-effective for them to envenomate everyone. Um, so they will only, even if they bite people, they won't, they won't actually inject the poison um, in 75% of cases. Yet we look at Black Widows like it's the ultimate, you know, evil of the world. And I mean, yeah, okay, because they're, they're black and, you know, with red, you know, the hourglass. And I can't help but think that the whole issue about the meat black goes back to some kind of idea within humanity that it is like, you know, everything that's evil ends up being black. Why? Because it's generally white people that write all the, you know, the, the stories. Um, you know, it's white is good, white is holy, white is noble, black, ooh, evil, you know. The, the black riders and black cloaks and black this and that. And it's like, what? why isn't that a... You know, why can't, why can't anything in black be good, positive, helpful? It can, but, you know, let's not let that get in the way of a good story. Anyway, um, I completely and totally went off on that little three-minute tangent. Um, so my thing about um, Animal Farm, Orwell went after Stalin and went after communists. He was a socialist, but he went after communists. And the reason was because he saw it for what it was. It was absolute crap. These guys were no more interested in making life better for everyone uh, than the Tsarists had been during you know, the reign of Nicholas II. Um, the communism, let's be quite frank, okay? Uh, it does not work with the exception of extremely small communities. You can have communism work if you've got a very small community, maybe 100 people, 200 people, something like that. Uh, that's why in America, and I teach this in my US-1 classes, utopian societies were often very communistic because it can work with that. But once you start getting into larger societies, it doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work for a variety of reasons, all right? The bottom line is that people need an incentive motive, okay, in order to do things. The incentive motive in the West is money, okay? You get paid to do something. You do something better, you get paid more. When I used to sell cars, the incentive motive was sell more cars, make more money. Very easy. It's, it's not difficult. But the idea that, like, oh, no, I have to work hard so that my, my buddy over here can... Uh, you know, my buddy over here can make ends meet. Yeah, that, that works partly. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who aren't willing to sacrifice. We have all sorts of people, you know, religious orders that are like, no, we're going to, you know, sacrifice for the greater good. And people do that. People will go out and they will, um, you know, work at, at food banks. And, and it's, a, it's a great thing. But it's not the basis of a sustaining society because humans, at their hearts, uh, humans just don't do that, okay? Maybe you could say I wish they would, but they don't. And the thing was that Orwell saw that this wasn't even about that. Orwell saw through it, and he was like, this is about power. This is about control. Communism under Stalin is nothing to do with the ideals of Karl Marx, Okay. Stalin was not intelligent. 
Um, Stalin was not, I mean, there, there were Marxists who were, you know, intellectuals. Stalin was not. He wasn't. Um, and so Orwell called them out at a time when many people were like, oh, no, you know, we have to support the Russians. And Stalin is this uh, genius, this and that. And then it's funny how, it's funny how this happened, that all of a sudden, after World War II, when the Cold War settled in by the 50s, Stalin became public enemy number one. Communists were terrible people. You know, I remember uh, watching... Um, uh, 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 I was watching a movie. Um, what else? The Front. I don't know why I can't remember these things sometimes. I was watching The Front, and uh, you know, Hecky Brown's character is like, you know, we were all on the same side then, weren't we? Yeah, we were. You know, it was you know, let's support the Soviets, and all of a sudden after the war, it was like you supported the Soviets. You're a bad person. You're evil. And it was like, no, we, we were all on the same side at one point. Yeah, but not now. And Orwell, when he comes out in 1984, again, 1984 is the sledgehammer, okay? 1984 is an absolute critical smashing of every pretense that the so-called communists had, Okay. And again, this is coming from me. I'm a socialist, okay? And I'm very proud to, to say that. I have no issue with that. But this is, what they were doing was absolute crap. And, and it was rightfully called out by people like Orwell. And Orwell took a lot of heat from it because people were like, you're not a real socialist. You support Comrade Stalin. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, by the way, did you, now that we know the truth about what happened, during all of these purges, okay, where, you know, all of these top old Bolsheviks were killed. Um, and again, millions of people were killed in the Soviet Union, millions. You know, and Mao did the same thing in China. And, you know, I don't want to hear about it. You know, stop trying to go, oh, Chairman Mao, where's my little red book? You know, no, he killed possibly tens of millions of people. I mean, if you really want to, and again, this is spoken from someone who is sympathetic to the ideals espoused by Karl Marx. If you want to be honest, people that have declared themselves as communists have been responsible for as many, if not more, deaths than any other civilization in history, okay? I mean, between Mao and Stalin, we're talking about tens of millions. We talk about Kampuchea, you know, Cambodia, you know, Pol Pot, okay? Uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about millions of people in, in a situation where they only had a few million people. It's like, oh, 25% of our people left. Sounds good to me. But Orwell, that's the genius that Orwell saw that. And he saw it ahead of time, and he was never one of these guys. A lot of guys did see it later. And they were like, no, no, no. We were wrong. We were wrong. And had Orwell lived... Another 10 years, he probably would have been like, yeah, you darn tootin' you were wrong. You were wrong, 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 wrong. Okay? This is, this is not the way that, you know, the revolution was meant to be. And that's in, 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 uh, in Animal Farm. So there I go again, 1984. In Animal Farm, I'm really excited to see what's going to end up coming out of that. Because 
Um, again, today, you know, the, the Russian Revolution is very, you know, I mean, when he wrote it, the Russian Revolution was 30 years old. It was still something, it, it, was, it was like, you know, me talking about um, the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. It was fresh. Yeah, it was, you know, 40 years ago almost, but, you know, 30-some years ago. But it was still something that I can remember directly. Me talking about the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, it'll be that way in another 10 years when people are talking about uh, 2001, okay, the attacks of 2001. But with, with Orwell, he was calling it out as it happened. He was one of these people where, for example, in 2001, 2002, when they were talking about establishing the Department of Homeland Security, the Patriot Act, he was the guy that would have been like, this is a bad idea. Terrible idea. And people would have been like, you know, oh, shut up. You know, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. We're under attack. We need these things. And he'd be like, okay, I just want, I want everyone to know this is a bad idea. Bad idea. And now later on, we're all like, oh, yeah, this, by the way, surrendering a lot of our rights was a terrible idea. A little late now. Okay, the horse is out of the barn. But Orwell called things out. Okay. And that's so important for an author. And like I said, with, with, uh, you know, with Animal Farm, then he goes to 1984. And believe me, I could do, if I started it on 1984, uh, this podcast would turn into a three-hour podcast. Okay? I'd just go, I'd continue going on and on. But 1984 is the idea of what would, what would happen if the rest of the world did subside into this. And... There is a real concern right now, and I have to say this, okay, and I say this at the risk, at the risk of possibly being chastised about it when I go back to teaching. There is a real concern that certain concepts of 1984 are being promulgated by the conservative movement in this country. Um, The first warning should have been when they asked former President Trump, when he was running for the presidency in the first first time, will you accept the results of the election? And his reply was, it depends on what the results are. That should have been enough to cause everyone involved, conservative, liberal, what have you, to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a problem. You can't make that statement. If there's been anything about American democracy since Jefferson beat Adams, it's been that the winner accepts the results and and the loser accepts the results and they move on. And you can see right now that all of this stuff, I mean, they're still complaining about the election was rigged, it was fixed. No evidence, mind you. There's been nothing put out there. And again, I am full. Listen, if anyone has evidence, contact me. Let me know. If there's been massive fraud, I want to know. I do. I really want to know what was going on. But in this case right here, there's been absolutely no evidence, nothing at all. So now you've got these different states that are enacting voter repression laws. Um, you know, I. Willie Nelson couldn't register to vote in Texas. You're going to deny Willie Nelson? I mean, he's an American icon, for crying out loud. You're going to tell me he can't vote? 
Okay? Florida, same way. Florida, for crying out loud, they're, they're like, oh, math books are teaching critical race theory. I'll tell you what, I, I, and I, I say this with no affront at all, um, I, I, I think that my, um, my uh, 13-year-old son could absolutely whoop uh, Governor DeSantis in a debate. Um, and send him running home crying. Um, he's just, he's really, I, I'm sorry, people of Florida, and I know some of you are listening to me here, and I, I do, I feel for you, I feel terribly that this man is going to run for the presidency. Uh, he is a moron, okay? And he's he's pulling this stuff out. I mean, you know, for gazing death rates, because, anyway, I, I can go on, I won't. But the idea of, you know, changing things, where now there's this attempt to change, well, what happened on January 6th? Well, I'll tell you what happened on January 6th uh, of the previous year. There is an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States of America, period, the end. I don't want to hear anything about, you know, there were, there were people there that were, they were tourists, they were doing the, no, they knew, and we know, we know all the evidence has come out the text messages, the emails, it's all come out. Let's just accept it. But people are like, no, it doesn't matter. And the sad thing is that, um, as I said before, uh, many times, as a teacher, you don't, <laughs> you don't make threats. You make promises. That I give, I give a shout out to my uh, student teacher for that, where they, they they taught her that in school. They said, don't say, don't make threats, make promises. And I couldn't agree more. You, if you're not willing to follow through, if you say, I'm going to send you to the principal's office if you do this, and then they do it and you don't, well, that just completely undermines your teaching. Your authority has been compromised. With the courts, with the law, it's no different. If we're not willing to uh, hold these people accountable who did this thing, then, then what are we doing here? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. <clears throat> Nothing's going to happen. But like I said, a lot of it comes back to the idea of 1984. I'm oh, sorry. Goodness gracious. There I go again. The idea of Animal Farm is the idea that this promise for a better land ended up turning into, by the end of the novel, spoiler alert, but if you haven't read it, you're about 80 years too late. By the end of the novel, everything has changed. The farm has gone on to be more oppressive under the rule of the animals. The history has been completely rewritten where, you know, the the heroes like Snowball, the heroes of animalism and Boxer have been written out. Snowball, it was like, no, 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 he was the one that was leading the charge of the humans. As much as I expect that in another year or two, you're going to be hearing things about how, you know, there were peaceful protesters on January 6th, but then what happened was, you know, the government sent snipers and uh, attack forces to destroy them and to stop, you know, and they were like, you know, the, the people that were marching were like, please, we're only here peacefully protesting. And they were like, there'll be no peaceful protest under President Obama, who is in charge, which is why he did nothing during 9-11, you know, that, that's what we'll end up with. And, you know, there are people who are going to believe it. They really are. 
they won't care that it's like what President Obama was. Wait, was he actually? Wait, nine eleven. What was it? no? It, it, no, it won't matter. It won't matter because if you want to believe it, you're going to believe it. What was it that Caesar said? You know, men will gladly believe that which they wish for. And that you couldn't be more right. You couldn't have been more right. You know, when you want to believe something, you believe it. And nothing can tell you otherwise. So with that, um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this uh, in circus version of, uh, of Animal Farm. Um, I really hope they don't change it. I hope they end it the way that they did in, uh, you know, uh, the the book and that they don't turn it into, like, a kind of happy ending because it's not a happy ending, okay? Again, spoiler alert, sorry, should have warned you, it's not a happy ending. It's funny because in 1984, and I didn't, I didn't know this for years after reading, it's one of these great things that, like, you realize after a while. In 1984, in the aftermath, they have appendices and independence is like Newspeak was the official language of, you know, Oceania during this and that. And it was like, you don't realize it, but you then you turn around and someone's like, it was. 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 Was implies something happened in the past. Was implies that it's not the same as it is now. Because if it was the same as it is now, they would say is. If I said, you know, um, uh, you know, Newspeak is the official language of Oceania, that gives you the idea that, oh, okay, well, it's Oceania still exists and Newspeak is still the language. But was gives you that idea. It's like, wait, it was? You know, National Socialism was the official government policies of Germany from uh, 1933 to 1945. Yeah, it's not anymore. It's not anymore. Communism was the official uh, economic policy of the Soviet Union uh, from whatever, 19... There's debate about when it officially came in. Let's say 1918 until 1990, 91, give or take. Um... But that, that, that's the crazy thing. It's like it was. Um, but I'll tell you, the ending of the ending of Animal Farm is absolutely appropriate. Life under uh, communism, under Stalinism, after Lenin died, was actually uh, much worse than it was under uh, either the Tsar. And I I do love how it ends with, you know, one of the great quotes I feel of all time. You can feel free to debate me about it. Again, comment on my, on my podcast, Twitter, Instagram, after school history, anything you want. But the bottom line is that the, the great changing of things, which Benjamin the donkey reads out at the end. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And if that, if that doesn't apply 
to everything you know about this world today, then I, I, you know, I, I, I feel great for you because you're living in a, a dream world that I wish I could live in sometimes. Not really. Uh, so that's it. All animals are equal. Some are equal than others. I always say that. I'm like, yeah, all people are equal, you know? That all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Yeah, that's that's great until they're not. And that's where we are. So anyway, um, I'm hoping to put another podcast together in the next few days. But I do hope you've enjoyed this. And again, please do feel free to contact me. You can contact me through uh, you know, the Spotify uh, Anchor, which uh, is the, the company that um, I do my uh, podcast through. You can also look me up uh, Instagram, um, After School History, okay, and t- at Antonius Optimus, all right, and then we can go from there. Anything you want uh, to talk to me about, uh, further questions, I-, I get stuff from time to time, it's great. Um, love to know that people are listening and, uh, and reacting. In any case, I wish all of you a happy, healthy, and safe rest of your week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.